How do I do the little where I can just touch? To, <laughs> to go wide? <laughs> to touch what? There to go wide. Don't touch me there! What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and I'm here with the whole crew, Tony, Trip, and Mo. Fellas, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you? Well, All right. It's nice to be here in Passionate DJ Studios, and we're going to rewind the clock just a little bit to last year when we talked... <laughs> <laughs> when we uh, were talking about all the buzz around the Paul Oakenfold show mm. that Tony and his company, Three Dimensional Entertainment, through what was the date? I should know offhand. Nine it twenty. Was, no, it was. 20, yeah, it was nine. What was the date? Holy September twenty second. It was the end of September because it was a couple of days oh, before yeah. I left September on my 22nd. world tour. Yeah, September yeah, because 22nd. my my day, my birthday was the day before. That's right. So yeah, twenty second. So in September, and we talked a lot about the show. You know, every year we kind of follow you around on one of these shows and talk a lot about it. And we were doing that a lot about Oakenfold, and we wanted to take a little bit of a break just because it was a little bit heavy on that for a while. And now that we've had a little bit of time to step away from that, kind of look back and do like a retrospective on that show, how it actually went, how everything played out. Uh, from your perspective, Tony, as the uh, promoter and et cetera, <laughs> guy putting together all the things, <laughs> spinning all the plates, <laughs> and uh, from uh, Tripp's perspective as a direct support, artist support, uh, playing for Paul and <laughs> Fold that mask. Um, and, and from your yeah. perspective as well. Wearing my Smedium polo. <laughs> wearing, wearing your Smedium polo yeah. and working security. So we have all kinds of different perspectives and angles here. And then, of course, um, I participated in small part. Uh, Passionate DJ provided the uh, uh, what would you call it? The practice hardware, yeah, the, the, or the, the uh, setup rig in the room. Yeah, the mm -hmm. the hotel rig for uh, Paul to play on. So I got to kind of sneak in and set all that up. And so I shot a little bit of bonus footage while all that was going on. I think Mo shot a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, later in this week, I'm going to post actually a little bit of bonus content to uh, the YouTube channel at YouTube.com/slash/PassionateDJ. Uh, covering just kind of a little bit of the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff that was going on from our perspective on that. Uh, so how would you like to approach this trip? Do we want to start talking about the music and what you did and didn't play? Because we, we did an after-party episode, a bonus show, right? where we talked about what you might play. Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious to know uh, how much you actually stuck to the plan and whether or not you just threw that to the wind or how that actually played out. So maybe we can talk about that, but I don't know how far in you want to go to that no, conversation. That, no, that's great. Without um, giving it away. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a great place to start. Because okay. um, back in some of our earlier episodes, you know, uh, episodes like uh, Reading Your Crowd, stuff like that, um, there's – there's a whole lot of insight to how we each approach our sets and I stayed true to form. Like I didn't get outside of my comfort zone when it, it like I didn't pre-plan a set, but then I also didn't come in completely winging it either. So um, basically what I did is I created three crates uh, on my thumb drives. Uh, I guess I, we should rewind a little bit. Um, okay. Turns out. Uh, so uh, what people found out in the after party episode um, uh, before was that, uh, before the actual show was that we found out that, uh, we weren't actually going to be using the, uh, the dead and prime gear. Right. So, um, that honestly, I, I had mixed feelings about it. I, Hashtag change your writer back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I had mixed feelings about it because I did want to get my hands on it and actually play around with it and see what it was like. But at the same time, that's not the time for me to feel comfortable with to, to um, try and learn how to yeah, use something changing new. everything, yeah. you know, changing everything around. So I was just like, uh, you know, it. So I had mixed feelings about it. I ultimately I was more comfortable because it ended up being a Pioneer Nexus uh, rig, you know. So I, all industry standard stuff that I'm I'm super comfortable with. So uh, on my thumb drives, I created three crates. I I created a main crate, which was like all of the uh, a lot of the tracks that you and I kind of uh, went through, and then some all stuff that was in that vein. So, you know, kind of hard, um, but uh, techie, uh, more techno type of stuff, uh, stuff that plays with your head a little bit. Okay. Um, but also really 
drum heavy or you know really bass heavy stuff that you're gonna feel in your gut when you're on a function one rig and and in a place like mask Uh, that's a good point i guess we probably should kind of reiterate that for our audience who isn't familiar with mask and three-dimensional and kind of how all that even what we're talking about right right for for us here in Dayton, Ohio, mask is a, a big deal. I mean, it's a it's a diamond in the rough to say the least. I mean, it's just an amazing. Those are the exact words it, that BT used. That BT <laughs> of all people used. Right. It, I mean, it's it's just it leaves such an impression on everybody that uh, you and Billy bring through that place. I mean, yeah. like ev- like people who travel worldwide and see all the biggest <laughs> mega clubs. And they say, "I'm going to Dayton, Ohio." <laughs> Yeah. And then they get here and they, whoa, what yeah. the? Whoa. <laughs> like, holy moly. And yeah. they tell their friends, you know, they're, right. who are other people that we probably want to bring in there, you know. And yeah, so my, it, it's right. cool to watch. My favorite reaction so far was Dom from Stanton Warriors. Mm-hmm. When you walked him back to the booth and he, like, looked around, he was like. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, and Melissa, my wife, was there. And I was like, I was like, baby, did you see that? Did you see that? <laughs> So those of you watching on the YouTube audience, you'll see some of the photos we put up here on the screen. Uh, they don't show up very well on the camera, but I'll, I'll drop a few of them in there in post so you can see the high-res version. And you can get a look for it. It's really hard to get a good shot of mask. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just a hard place to photograph. It's dark and very bright at the same time. Right. It's just a big, low-ceiling rectangle for as wide as it is. Right. It's hard to really capture what that place is like. But some of these photos, there's a few fish eyes lens ones and a, a couple of really good um, shots in there. Yeah, agreed. That, Most uh, photographers that I have that come in that place hate it because really? they can't shoot very well. <laughs> so inconsistent. <laughs> I don't want to say they hate it, but it's just a dark room and they don't know what they're coming into. But Yeah, well, yeah. plus there's fog and cryo and everything Lasers else that and comes there. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say is that the it, once once that place fills up and then cryo starts going off and the lights are going and all of that stuff, yeah, almost all the photos that I've ever seen in that place that you know it's mask like it's got a very particular flavor or characteristic to everybody's it doesn't matter the photographer like it, it is the place so yeah. you do the best you can with what you got yeah yeah <laughs> so sorry go ahead no to, no no, no. To um, cut you off just for some context there right for... no absolutely so then i also created two other um two other crates uh two other folders on my on my thumb drive and one was um like I called it backup transprog. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, knowing that I was going to be opening for Paul Oakenfold, what I wanted to do, as we talked about in that after party episode, was I wanted to be able to tee things off and yet still kind of tease what's to come, but still keep it in my vein, you know, so keeping it in my yeah. style, but not, and, and being able to, you know, dip my toe in the trance stuff or even, you know, hey, we can go in knee deep. Um, but you know, saving the, the big stuff for Paul. Um, so I, I, I filled up a crate with stuff that kind of ran the gamut. Some of it was that more mellow kind of, okay, yeah, this will work. And, and it, and it works for what I'm, uh, 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 stockpiling it away for. But then I also threw some really big Anthem shit in there, right? Just in case people were going to let me go there. But, you yeah. know, uh, if I was, was going to do it at all, it was either going to be the very last track to hand things off. But then as I kept thinking about it, that's not uh, that's not how you want to do it. What I thought was maybe more like three quarters of the way in, be able to hit that and then bring it back down for, that, to hand right, it off. That late hill. Right. Yeah. So um, I didn't really hit that point. I, I did hit a couple of tracks. Uh, one in particular that that was definitely, you know, it was full bore trance, um, but I, I hit it at that right spot where it was like, okay, yeah, that'll work. So one thing that we kind of skipped over before we get more into the guts of the actual music, sure. Um, you didn't, pl- you were not booked as Trip Turlington. No. Can we talk about what you were booked as and why? Sure, sure. Um. So uh, I was booked as Digital Psychosis, um, which is an old moniker of mine. It was actually the first moniker that I had that, like, that that was because I tried to go by DJ Trip when I very first started, and that's like house, booty house, stuff like that. But you know, I sucked then, and you know, it was like, eh, whatever, you know. So um, as I got better, and you know, started taking things a little bit more seriously, getting more gigs and stuff like that. So then, okay, now I need to. I was trying to create a brand and an image and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So 
uh, digital psychosis was a name that I came up with and it stuck and people loved it and I misspell it. You know, I put a big capital K instead of a CH in psychosis. Um, uh, there's a callback there if anybody gets that. But, um, <laughs> I was going to ask that question, but I stayed away from it. <laughs> that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Um, so anyway, um, but I did. I, I, I built – that's what I built the majority of my reputation as a DJ on uh, up until probably – mid to late 2000s it was probably around 2008 i think is when i retired the name um but uh and then it, but that's when i was also switching over to glitch hop and 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 more broken beat stuff and drum and bass so at that point that's when i said okay well i'm just gonna go by my name you know and, and build that brand that way um so luckily, you know, there's there's some people who who remember the digital psychosis name, and and every now and then somebody will ask me to bring it out of retirement. So it had been a while, and uh, so Tony asked, and I I, I can't turn that down. <laughs> so digital psychosis is like all four to the floor stuff, yeah, correct? Yeah. Trance, like, prog, so trance. Uh, trance, prog, techno, tech house, all all of that wrapped up into one. Because you I'm, might argue Trip Turlington does a lot more breakbeat, yeah. drum and bass, glitch hop. Right. you know any any varied tempo i mean yep yeah yep. so okay um and and, and I, I say all that four four stuff you know because i was uh, except for like when trance was like the super popular thing and you could play six of those tracks in a one hour set <laughs> but uh, um once that started to die off and i started diversifying more so then that's when i was finding ways of making my sets a lot more dynamic and and really like we've gotten into that before as far as the psychology of mixing and taking people on a journey so i uh, through like the mid 2000s as digital psychosis that's what you would get out of me it was a lot more eclectic so you you would get everything from tech house to um you know some even like dirty electro and stuff like that mixed in with some techno and uh and then ultimately what i would do for a little callback to the trance is end with something proggy or something trancey you know to put the uh the end cap on the mix so okay um but for for this this wasn't that much different from that it was um uh, but that was my approach was I've got a main crate of stuff. That's that main idea that I want to kind of stick to or have the ability to go back to if things start to go awry or if I go way too far down one path or the other and then have these other two crates that allow me to have, you know, little branches depending on how people yeah. are reacting. Okay. Uh, Tony, real quick, uh, from your perspective, how did the show go off? Did you have any hiccups or struggles during the event itself? Um, no. Any moments of note? Because from my perspective, everything went off great, it, but that that might just because you did a good job <laughs> covering, putting out fires, you know what I mean? Um, it went fairly smooth for the most part. Um, the only... I mean, outside of the show, really, it was parents' weekend for UD, uh, um, yeah. and every hotel in the city and outside of the city was booked, so I had to put him, you know, 15 minutes outside of downtown. But <laughs> I was going to say over by my house, right? <laughs> yeah, but from the airport <laughs> to the hotel was like a 40-minute drive because we had to take 70 all the way around into Beaver Creek, and um, it was interesting, you know, um, but that was really the only if you want to call anything a hiccup during the show that was how's paul is he easy to get along with oh uh, yeah he's he was awesome he was um i mean you could tell he was kind of irritated about the long drive <laughs> to the hotel and he wanted to be in the city because he wanted to like he wanted to know some of the city culture and stuff mm -hmm. um and wanted to get a good restaurant downtown but mm. you know instead he ate at red robin he had a red <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Blue ribbon burger. Yeah. Put it yeah. on a lettuce bun and get the crispy <laughs> onion straws. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. Um, Hashtag sponsor us. <laughs> right. But uh, as far Yum. as hiccups are concerned, no, the show went super smooth. Good, good. Yeah. Sitting here talking to Trip Turlington on the Passionate DJ podcast about his adventures Warming up for the one and only the legendary Mr. Paul Oakenfold right, right. and Tony DeSero's perspective from uh, being the promoter and uh, the guy behind the scenes pulling all the puppet strings and making sure that the show goes off without a hitch. And, of course, with Mr. Modingo 
running security, making sure nobody gets in the VIP that's mm-hmm. not supposed to, and running all kinds of various uh, logistics and so and so heavy <laughs> behind lifting. the scenes. That's heavy lifting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we Hashtag want- CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm curious about is how far did you stray from your thoughts as far as like your approach to the music sure so um i wouldn't say that i strayed far um in in terms of like the main idea there were a couple of times where i i I did kind of try a couple of things but it was like because i was feeling it like i don't know how well anybody can see these these pictures uh from the from the camera but but when we post them like you can tell like this this crowd was feeling it yeah so like so uh that's why i asked because a lot of what we talked about in the bonus show had to do with if they're feeling it then i'll do this if the energy's up i'll do this and it seemed to me walking in there that all the (laughs) those things were happening right so So i wonder if some of the tracks that you were hesitant about actually got played and and so on so this this will be interesting yeah so um one of the ones that uh you and i covered uh was this one that i'm gonna bring in just a little bit here um, so this is called G.O.D. It's, uh, go- it stands for Gospel of Doubt Part 2 uh, featuring Casey Gerald. Uh, the track is by Pleasurecraft. And, um, you know, I, I just this was like one of my top tracks of last year. I played this at every gig. Not that I play a, played a bunch last year, but literally every single gig that I played, this was in it. But, like, as I came up and was just like, okay getting a feel for the crowd you know from the dj before me and i'm just kind of watching everybody and you know so people are already crowding around the dj booth people are already dancing people are you know you could just feel that vibe people were already into it um here let me pull this in a little bit got that good rolling right yeah. right it's like, a, like a damn locomotive you know i wish i would have been up there for this so the only way i can describe the feeling when you dropped this at the beginning it was like an absolute oral assault <laughs> like you came in there and you punched everybody right in the forehead like right, right off the bat dude well and, and that's and you got everyone's attention like right. like i know because so where i stand i can see the entire crowd and as you drop this track, I saw people start coming towards right, right. the DJ yeah. booth, and I was like, "Oh!" Yeah, made a statement. Yeah. Sure. yeah as soon yeah. as you went on, that's when I had to leave because I had the far drive to Beaver Creek to pick right, him up. That's right. why I couldn't. Yeah. So like, the the whole point of me doing that though was was because the uh, uh, the DJ before me was playing great stuff, and I mean it. I mean had the crowd engaged. You know, it was it was a great warm up, and. Um, but it was a totally different style of music. You know, it was something intentionally purposed for, you know, something earlier, but it was really vibey, really, like, you know, it felt good. So What was it, like, energy level-wise compared to this? Because this is oh, coming at no, it pretty no, hard. Yeah, no, yeah, no. It, it was it was more like, I don't want to say uplifting, but, like, it was, it was just good, groovy, feel-good kind of, okay. you know, but energetic. So, I mean, good and poppy, but, like... Who did you take over from? It was, uh... Was it Kim? Um, so no, Aaron, right? Aaron Austin. Yeah. Oh, Aaron, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So, That's right. Yeah. So very housey kind of. Yeah. Know, but, more light. More on the lighter side. Right. Right. And uh, but right. I mean, he was having such a blast, and I was just like, yeah. you know, feeling him and and watching the crowd, and I was like, okay. He's so, really good. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, so the the whole thing there was like, as I'm I'm I had two choices. I could either try to play out on him. And, and try to like, you know, like a like a smooth roller coaster, you know, just take it and, and then, you know, take them from where he drops them off. <laughs> there was absolutely nothing smooth about no, that. No, there was nothing. And, and I don't say that in a negative no, way. No, 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 no. But because... you, you accomplished your attention step. <laughs> you know. Well, so what, what happened was, so he leaves me on a loop uh, on the CDJ, and then I bring this in. And so, like, we're, we're playing with the filters and all that stuff to yep. bring this out. And because this one starts with no kick drum, it's just that, mm, jump, mm, jump, mm, jump, mm, jump, right? So, uh, you know, so I'm bringing that in and then, you know, fade his stuff out and let go of my loop. And, and the song builds. And then, yeah, and then the, the kick drum on this, as soon as it hits, like, you know, whoever runs the, runs the lights, 
yeah, you know, they, David, yeah, yeah, they he 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 Different figured David. it out real quick, like. Oh, we got to do something. So, like, brings the dark, you know, brings the, the the lights down to a darker level, and then you're right. Like, it was just as soon as that thing hits, and then it's I'm feeling it, they're feeling it, and so like I'm, you know, as a matter of fact, funny story. Don't tell Luke this, um, but whatever that, what's right above? Is that a laser? There's there's three of them above you. Yeah. So like. Well, at first, like I was getting so into it, and then I started to go do to do a fist pump, and I punched one of the damn lasers. <laughs> I was like, "Ah, shit!" Okay, calm down. <laughs> Punch, punching lasers, the new digital psychosis mixed in. Yeah. Right, right. So, uh, but I mean, so like a track like this, yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly what it's designed to do. When I play it, is uh, that's how awesome is that feeling though? Like when that baseline hits and and that punch comes and all those people just right. feel it and they're just like right. they just go off yeah absolutely very, yeah, it's, I mean that's what that's we live for the closest thing that, that yeah. I experienced to like festival sound like indoors yeah. you know what I mean yeah. just because that room is set up just for that right um, so um, there was a couple of them that I did not play um one of them uh, that you and I talked about was uh, I Am One by, by Pig and Dan. Yes. Uh, that was the one that has, like, the acid, uh, the, the 1950s housewife on acid sample in it. Right, right. Yeah, like, <laughs> and, and it's a great track, but I felt like it was too mellow. Because if I'm going to come out that hard, I need to keep that energy level going. Yeah. If I'm going to bring it down, I need to wait a little bit. I'm uh, Like, I'm here to make a statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's bring it, it we'll, we'll wait to bring it down a little bit when I'm ready to transition to something else but um so i wanted to keep hitting them and, and going hard um another one that i did not play was that uh Druce night drive um it was kind of um uh well i guess i can play it um even though i did not play it um, so this is one that you thought you might play and then in the moment you decided for some reason it was not right correct uh so Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This one is so like this was one that I felt was going to be right up that alley, where it would be a perfect track to drop off, and say okay, and and, and, and it yeah, because it's it's trancy, it's proggy, it's got that you know it's got the arpeggiators, it's got a little bit of a tease of like some pads and it's got maybe drama. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. And but and that vocal sample is amazing. Um, but I just, I never got to a point where I felt like I could slip it in there. I tried. There were like three different times where I was like, I had it in the in the player, and I'm like trying to make it work with these tracks, and it's like, nah, it's just, yeah. I'm, I'm, if I'm going to force it, like then I'm going to blow the mix, and like, you know, at that point, do people care? They're having a good time. Maybe not, but I will. Gotcha. You know, and... Um, I don't know how long Paul Oakenfold was standing behind me. <laughs> I just know when Tony came and tapped me on the so shoulder to tell me that Paul was digging my shit. And I'm like, and I turn around, he's, he's here? <laughs> yeah, so, <Shit. laughs> whoa. So, you know, whenever Tony goes to go get him, he texts me and lets me know what the ETA is. Right. I clear out this particular hallway and making sure, you know, nobody's going to mess with him. Tony brings Paul up. Paul's like just chilling behind you, and he was there for probably, I'd say, a good ten minutes or so. Nice. Yeah, we got we we walked in about, yeah, I want to say fifteen minutes, ten to fifteen minutes before. So but, was yeah, okay. before Tony even told you anything, like, and you were like totally in your zone. Oh and yeah, and you were like getting it, and Paul's back there going. He had a big <laughs> smile on his face, and he was just just smiling. He was looking at the crowd, and he was looking back at the VIP area, and he was like, you know, the cool thing is, is when you bring those guys in. Um, they obviously know in the big cities that the openers know what they're doing, but they come to these off smaller cities and they're like, oh, God, what am I going to walk into, you know? Right, mm -hmm. And they're like, Dayton, Ohio, what am I walking into? And when they walk into uh, obviously an amazing-ass club, but the direct support, you know, doing, doing the direct his job. support yeah. job. And yeah, everybody it, who touched that show know? obviously gave a shit. Yeah. Right, and right. Like, and that was something that we kind of touched on in the uh, – when we talked about this before on After Party is like that's – I think that's why you weren't here to be able to say this, so I kind of spoke on your behalf, so <laughs> forgive me if I misspoke, but I said that's why Tony trusts you with this job yeah, right. of opening up for him is because you put so much care and attention and thought and all the things that we talk about in that episode and this episode that you 
you know, drive yourself crazy over and worry about and think about and like because you care so much about that, that's why you're putting Dude, that position I, there. I have a show tomorrow, and I'm breaking out like a 12 year old kid right now. Like you see, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm worried about everything that's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Not that it's going to be bad. It's just good. I just worry, and I do. I put that much thought and detail into the into the uh, event itself. You need to know that the person that you, is setting up the artist that you potentially would want to work with again isn't going to do something stupid when right. they get up to the decks and. Digital psychosis is not the one that's going <laughs> to do some <laughs> shit like that, right? Um, so, no, I'm, I'm sorry. If, no, you, if no, you're no, going to no. go somewhere in particular, I was going to ask you, there sure. there was a particular, I think, Dubfire track that you were going to play uh, that you talked about going from that kind of more techie, bangy stuff into yeah. the, sliding it more into a proggy direction. I'm wondering yep. if you actually did. Yeah, so um, I don't know if you were there or not. There were two tracks that I specifically played because I knew you were going to uh, you were gonna catch them. So one was uh, the Dubfire um, uh, Rib Cage, but I played a remix of it. So that's not the Miss Kitten, is it? No. Rib Cage, uh, Dents and Pika remix. So, and and you know what was crazy about this one is that at this stage of my set. When, this was about halfway through, and I was intentionally trying to, you know, come down from all the hard stuff. I think if it wasn't the track before this, maybe a couple of tracks before this, I was playing like Green Velvet's Automate, you know what I mean? Which is like, boom, 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 boom. I mean, you're just kill, you're slaying these people. I mean, they're, I mean, and they're eating it all up. But then I was like, no, nah, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna turn the bus at some point, I want to do it about halfway now. Yeah. Because I've hit them so hard, because that's that's an easy thing to that's an easy hole to get sucked down into. Is when too you hard. When, yeah when you are banging them, and and they are taking it, and you are j it's so easy to just keep going for you know the next hard thing, the next hard thing, and just keep nailing them with it, and they may enjoy that through the whole thing. But you as an artist, or you know maybe even a little egotistical puppeteer kind of thing you know what i mean like you want to see how you can manipulate this crowd to show them something different but you got to do it within an hour it's partly that but it's also the restraint of an experience sure DJ. sure, sure. I mean, this isn't your first rodeo and you know that you can't just you know if you go 10 for the whole time then right. they're it's yeah. all and ten, it's all one. Sure. Yeah, just it's like B Funk, what, right. like B Funk said like when B -Funk he was here, said. he said there is no eleven. Right. So There's if you hit no him, 11. if you hit him at a ten all night, eventually it becomes a seven. Right. Right. So, so uh, what I what I wanted to do at that point was okay, but I didn't want to wait too late to do this. You know what I mean? Because if yeah. you wait too late, you're going 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, and then 15 minutes, and then all of a sudden you do play one track and then another track and then another track to, you know, to like jab it on the brakes at the last second. Right, right. Yeah. That's too jarring. So I wanted to present something that was a little bit more well-rounded, a little bit more fluid, a little bit more intentional. So, yeah, about halfway through, maybe a little more than halfway, but then I dropped this. And I have to tell you, this went over so much better than I ever thought it would. Awesome. Like, because, you know, Dubfire is huge, right? But, like, you ask a lot of people who may be hip to, mu uh, you know, electronic music, but maybe a lot of people who are not DJs or producers may not know who Dubfire is, you know? Right. Um, and, and I don't know how, how popular this track actually got, but even this is a remix of one of his tracks. It's not actually his track. Or it is his track, but it's a remix of it. So, like, I was just like... You know, I'm just hitting the floor with this thing. And you can hear there's nothing like super, you know, it's got a great, you know, low end to it, but it's, it's, it's more about the timing of it. Right. Well, that and it's like it's almost like a recovery track. I mean, for lack <laughs> right, of a better term. Right. Well, in you the know. context that he used it. Yeah. 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 But it, it's crazy because it's like. To me, this is more of like one of those heady tracks, you know, the, 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 yeah. the, 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 and you get this ping pong delay thing going on, and you know, it's it's got it's it's such a simple design, but you know, just masterfully put together, and uh, you know, so then you get this kind of a breakdown, and and people were digging it, man, and then as soon as it comes back in and cryo starts blasting, I'm like, I was gonna yeah. say, to be fair, like <laughs> this. 
this song sounds kind of minimalistic to us right now in the context right, of when right. it's being in the played middle of that show in right. that show sure. in, with that a couple hundred system. people with that yeah. sound system right. with the lights that you know the million dollars of lights that are in there yeah it sounds and feels and is just a different experience in that <laughs> no so, doubt i mean that's part of the the dj's job too is translating not only what is time appropriate, but what's like how much does the context change just by the environment that we're in? Right, right. You know? Agreed. I mean, how many times have you been in a club? Somebody drops this thing, and you, I mean, you're into it. It's a banger. You're feeling it. And then you go home, you download it from B Port, and you're like, this is this whack. Is this, yeah. This is the one. <laughs> Yeah, like no, there must there must be a remix. Right, it can't right. be the same song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've done that a bunch of times. Um, so um, the other place, that, so there were uh, there were two things that I did um, that uh, that I wanted to call out to because one this one was one that we pulled out of after party, and I could I I could not resist. I just I couldn't do it. And uh, when I dropped this one, the, the cool part was that I had a whole group, maybe there was like 10 or 15 of my like oldest old school friends. Like we've talked about this on like reading your crowd and building your fan base and stuff like that. But, um, you know, so some of these are people that I started raving with in the, in the late nineties who have since dropped off, you know, years ago, they were like, eh, you know, they, they, they had one situation or another and they just stopped going. But every now and then, some of them will pepper in or come in and, you know, they'll see me on a lineup and they'll pop in, you know, okay, cool. Then they head home because, you know, we're all old and have jobs and kids and stuff, right? So, um, but for this one in particular, because it was Paul Oakenfold, there was, there was like a group of like 10, maybe 15 and they were all like right there (laughs) to the left. And so like when I played this track, um, it was, um, it was partially because it was a track that we had already talked about. And I, I wanted to drop it because it was the right remix of this track that I felt it would work. But then also when I started seeing those faces out there in the crowd and then I was all like, yeah, this one's for y'all. Like, I don't care who else in this room enjoys it, but I know that this group of people over here, this was like one of our anthems every weekend when we would go clubbing. So um, this one is Three Drives on a Vinyl, Grease 2000, but it's uh, the Think remix, T-H-N-K extended remix. So Right, so when we talked about this before the show, yeah, you this was one you were really hung up on. Was, yeah. Do I play three drives? Do I not play three drives? I'm worried that right. it's going to be too much yeah. for that time slot and it'll be too showboaty or whatever. Right. But I don't... Is this a different remix than we talked about on... No, this is, this was the same remix. This is the one. Um, okay. but, um, so you felt that the energy was appropriate that, yeah. fuck it, we're doing it. Yeah, because especially because this particular remix i mean as you can hear it starts off and it's you know real low key it it waits a while before it actually blares out into that you know crazy signature arpeggiator right um and then when it ends you know it has this huge buildup, and then all of a sudden just drops off you know and then goes back to that minimal thing so i knew that yes it's good it's gonna be crazy people are gonna dig it it's going to make that statement of I can already hear it. Yeah, yeah. trance, You're, right? No, but uh, we, yeah, right. we we get a good uh, clip of the lead playing in this version, don't we? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So Let, let's make sure we let the audience hear that. <laughs> right. just, it's well, such a it's classic. Icon- yeah, it's iconic. It, yeah. I don't care what what generation raver you are, you've probably heard this. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, and, and so it was great. Like that was probably one of the biggest smiles that I had that night. Is once people started feeling that that chord progression a couple of my friends like had picked up on it like is that yeah well, this version teases <laughs> it with that that lead filters in for a second then goes away and then the baseline like it's doing right now it mm-hmm. starts coming in slowly so if you're paying attention or if you just really know that song right then the heads are gonna you know, you're gonna <laughs> right. lock eyes and you're gonna have that moment and there yeah. i mean there are a few cooler moments as a dj i think than when you have something like that where you 
you pee it's, something and somebody recognizes yeah. it. And oh, like, yeah. Oh, Especially yeah. when it's like your crew from back in the day. Too. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because, I mean, you know, There's here memories we are. associated with Exactly. It. Like at, at 40 years old, you know, I, I, I fully understand that I am no spring chicken and like we don't party like we did when I was, you know, a late teenager and through my 20s and stuff. So. Well, we can. We just have to nap. <laughs> we have to nap a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, that's the crazy part is that like you know for that for that three minutes that you're in this thing and then you lock eyes with somebody that you've literally known for over 20 years and that's that's you know it takes you both back to that you know that that chills i, I do remember that part dropping and i was like oh this, <laughs> this, this reminds me of being 27. <laughs> <laughs> so the good part about this remix is, I mean, it, it does. It takes it up a notch. Like, it, they're in it. <laughs> so. And to the credit of the light guy, David, that I had introduced you to, he's not really, he's a younger guy. So for him to have the uh, the intelligence to start playing with the lights the way he did right. without knowing anything that you were about to do, I mean, di uh, Tony gave him some cues about like what palettes to use and what not to use and stuff like that. Yeah, but, that's the cool thing about yeah. a lot of these three dimensions. Sorry to cut you off, no. but a lot of these three dimensional shows is that you've gotten it worked out to where you 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 work so well with the venue and the lighting person and all the stuff that it looks like e like. Even when you have a touring artist and they come in and they play on the house setup, it looks like a more produced show in that, you know, I mean, you don't have like the DVD playing in the background with the synchronized visuals, but you have some kind of similar version of that that's more than just sound reactive scanners bouncing off. They actually like do things that make sense in the context of the night. And you guys put a lot of care into that. Hey, don't have this color and this stuff running until mm -hmm. 1130 and you know, it's just it makes for this whole cohesive experience that probably subtly really adds to the whole experience for people, even though they don't really realize don't how much thought yeah. was put it's into the same all that. way. It's the same way that we would describe an opener set, you know, like Tripp did it right because he took it from here and he climbed it up. We do the same thing with the lights, the same thing with the, the sound, you know, turning the master volume up and things like that. Um you don't want to give it to them all at once. All right. you ease them into it, you know, because you, you give them 100%, they get worn out yeah. right, real quick. So the last track I was going to bring in um, was one that I specifically played for you. Yes. Um, and, the, and the funny part was is that uh, at this point, um, uh, you and Paul were standing behind me, had no idea. I figured you were somewhere out there, you know? <laughs> like, so I, 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 and I figured if I play it, he'll hear it. You know, he'll know it was for him. And I am very rarely out there. Well, <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Somewhere. And, and, yeah. and, I, and I will testify because on his birthday, I made him leave. Tony, because, stop. Yeah. He needed to get out and experience some of the music, you know, some of his, you know, some of Sasha. benefit from his hard work. Right. Right. Well, it was your birthday too. Yeah. 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 So, um, this one, I, we won't play the whole thing because it's actually 12 minutes long. Um, so I it's do, a short, it's a shorter, yeah, yeah it's shorter a shorter trans track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, uh, and I did not play the full thing. I, I played an edit that I had uh, cut up uh, the, the the night of actually. But the reason I wanted to bring this one up in particular is because one, it is a classic. Like right. I mean, this was like what early two thousands, like oh four. Yeah, yeah. So maybe mid two thousands. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's John Creamer and uh, Stephen K. But it's the Satoshi Tome remix of Love and Love Traffic. And, and I mean, just if you were raving in that period of time, like you know that vocal. It doesn't matter whose remix it is. But as soon as that that chick comes on there and starts singing uh, Love and traffic like that was a yeah. that was a, a, a showstopper like people just you got out of line from yeah, the bar and yeah, everything like yeah. i mean it was it was one of those so i'm gonna go forward a little bit got that hiding back here on the shelf somewhere yeah so i actually tried to find a digital copy and you can't i mean there is no digital copy to download oh, wow. anywhere so i had to rip it from vinyl <laughs> really <laughs> so you ripped your own vinyl i ripped my own nice. vinyl to play digitally so here you go yeah. Robot. 
So uh, I, I went a little out of sequence here. So this was around that same time when I was, it, after I played Dub Fire track and uh, okay. that rib cage, because I was trying to take it to a darker place, you know, bring it down from that hard banging in your face techno, bring it to this like proggy kind of level, you know, gives yeah. me plenty of places to go. Which is a great time to drop in a vocal like this, by the way, right. if you haven't been playing vocals this whole time, right. other than those little like blips right. and backgroundy things. Yep. But like something with a verse, yeah. like it makes such a statement if you like bring everything down and do this. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, this, this remix could have very easily stayed very dubby and just kept going with the hook. But then, you know, this Kellyanne chick that, that did the vocals here, this is kind of sassy. You know, so like halfway through my set, and then all of a sudden you drop this vocal, it's got people's attention, you know, and it's got that real chunky thing. So, I mean, people just vibed on it, and you could just tell people, people were getting bass face without like any neuro anywhere, like in sight, you know, so it was just like, um, you know, it, this was just one of those tracks that I felt like, you know, one, me and Tony talked about it. And I said, do you think it would? And he was like, you better. <laughs> okay, cool. So Exactly the same scenario that I have when I played the Pearl Jam remix. When I played the Pearl Jam remix that I talked about, opening for Benny Benassi. Right, right, right. Like I was going through my head, should I play this or should I not? And it was Chad Slimker that was like, yeah, you better play it. So <laughs> it was just the same exact scenario right, when you were right. talking to me about it. Like, yeah. yeah well, and, and, and so the craziest part, and the, reason I, the other reason I wanted to bring this track up specifically is because I believe this is right when I realized that Paul was behind me. <laughs> oh, nice. Because Tony comes up, and he's all like, hey, no pressure, but uh, Paul's right behind <laughs> you, or something along those lines. I was like, and I turn around, and, and the well, look on Paul's face while this track is on, like, you know he knows this song. Yeah. Like, he knows the damn people who wrote yeah. it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, it's one of those things where it was like, you know, I got a nod or at least some, uh, you know, acknowledgement, acknowledgement and, yeah. and, and like a smirk and a, yep, and okay, cool. So then I turn around. Now my butthole's all puckered up, right? <laughs> like, no pressure, no pressure. But, you know, and I, I just... So knowing that and, um, you know, uh, reading that crowd to take it to that place of three drives, but then I did end up pulling back and, you know, went with something that was um, still kind of uh, progressive, housey, but not, like, housey, if that makes any sense. But, you know, pulled yeah. things back enough to where, okay, here you go, you know. That way I wasn't leaving him with something that was just balls to the wall. Well, back in those days, this song was Progressive House. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we, it, it, that was the hard part back then because Progressive House, like, changed, you know, uh, uh, faces so many times in that time period. So, like, you could say Progressive House and, like, you could, like, be pulling up an SM tracks, mm -hmm. you know, from like 1999 or something, and that's completely different from anything Bedrock, but it was still. I think. Well, out. I think Beatport for a while went. Um, their genres were not. I think they were a little off. Yeah, there was a lot selection. of complaint about that for yeah. a good couple of years. Yeah, yeah, you definitely had to do some digging. They seemed to to got a little bit more together. But uh, yeah. so yeah, so by the time it was all said and done, and I turn around and. Um, it was, it was amazing. Like, you know, Paul, you know, gave me kudos, like, you know, handshake and then I hug, wanted, I wanted to was, talk about that part. Yeah, because like that was like amazing because like here he is. He's telling me that I did a great job, great stuff. He was digging it and, you know, uh, handshake and a hug. Which, uh, and, but then the funny part is, so then like I turn around, you know, after so after I've effectively handed everything off, and then he gets out like you know antibacterial wipes and stuff like that. And, I mean, like, and and I mean for for good reason. If he's a world traveling DJ, the he last thing he wants to, to get yeah, sick, yeah. Well, he was yeah. he was actually he had a serious cold when he was there. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, so I just assumed, hey, the man travels a lot. He, you know, I, I'm sure that there's not really you know a, a DJ's you know medical plan out yeah. there. And, and if you're if you're depending on these gigs yeah. for your income, like you want to minimize antibacterial wipes or cheap health insurance. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. What album was it that you had? <laughs> sign um oh yeah that's a guy totally forgot about that too uh we'll come back to the other uh, the other thing but um so um after he was done playing so i've had a white label of uh u2's beautiful day mm. that he remixed on perfecto records but i had the white label test mm. pressing before it, it got, but it got like dropped. months before it hit the before it hit uh, uh the, uh, the record stores so um 
and I had scribbled on one side, Oki versus U2. <laughs> Beautiful day. And uh, so I told, so I, you know, I handed it over it was, to him yeah. and I said, hey, you know, I've, I, I literally played the shit out of this. I've had this record, you know, 20 years or whatever it was. And um, I said, will you write over my stupid handwriting? And he was like, I mean, he, he, you know, signed his name, put a little smiley face in the O and nice. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, I just, uh, it, that, that was amazing. Cause like, that was like, you know, one of the more fulfilling, uh, uh, gigs of my, of, of my DJ career, because, you know, I've gotten pr- plenty of dap from, you know, other headliners that I've, uh, opened up for and stuff and done and, and have done direct support. But like, he really genuinely, like seemed into it and and wanted to like convey gratitude or or respect or whatever it was like super cool dude Uh, and and, and watching from the sidelines like where i always at like he was digging what you were throwing down like like legit and i'm not saying this just because we're recording anything but he was legit at me like getting down like there was a couple times he was like jumping up (laughs) and fist pumping and stuff and i was like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um when he came when he came in uh with his first well when you were handing it off to him yeah and he gave you a hug you know like just to capture that moment to have that right right on that little video clip yeah that's huge yeah so and, and the greatest and you could just part. tell you could i mean you could just tell like you <laughs> yourself <laughs> how happy <laughs> and how fulfilling that moment was yeah, and yeah. to be honest he never he didn't really hug everybody he gave everybody else one of these you know right. but yeah. 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 It was, it, I, I, I mean, and David, <laughs> like I wanted to be there. I wanted to stay there for like when Paul started. Uh, and I think he got his first like track out. And then I was just like, I was too in my own head, just <laughs> bursting with like, you know, vibration. I was like, I got to get out of here for just a second. I need to get, you know, some, some fresh air. Um, so Ironically, I went to the smoking area. <laughs> Trip, talk to me now. <laughs> right, so here comes for Dick. fresh air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. What? So, uh, so David uh, came out with me and bust out his phone, and he's all like, "Hey, let's get the immediate reaction." And I'm all like, "I, I, I, I." I like to play. I don't even know if they can hear us right now, but holy shit, man, that was. Oh, yeah. You played all of the, the bangers. You played the love and traffic. <laughs> he said, I don't know. Like, how do you even process that? Right. I think it was kind of like the feeling yeah. you were having. I was like, I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, again, thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Man. Yeah, there it is. The hug. Yep. There it is. <laughs> it's the bro hug right there. Yeah. Right. And, like, even people, you can tell in that image that you guys will see once uh, Dave uploads it. Like, they're even taking... Like oh yeah, like moment. these guys, all of these yeah. people right here are yeah. all those friends that I was telling telling you about. Um, especially this guy right there. That guy is as close to me as a brother, and he never comes out for anything anymore. Like he's got four kids, ranging from like you know adult, like eighteen, nineteen years old, down to like ten. Mm-hmm. So like <laughs> he's a busy, busy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for him to you know put that put put his you know. Uh, to to make time in his life to come out, you know, and and party with us as late as he did. Like, uh, I love that dude to death. Uh, but yeah, yeah, awesome. You're tuned into the Passionate DJ Podcast. We're talking to Trip Turlington, also known as Digital Psychosis, about his uh, warm up gig back in September, opening for the legendary Paul Oakenfold. Of course, Tony's company, Three Dimensional Entertainment was responsible responsible for putting on this show and Modingo you ran some uh, security type uh, services yeah, during this night just, as you've done before so yeah. how how does that night work for you so for me like well Tony he doesn't even ask me more he's just like hey I'm doing this show so then I already know okay I, I need to go get my uh medium polo dry cleaned <laughs> Get, get my uh, get my good uh, 3DM hat out and uh and, and my black 511 uh, tactical pants. <laughs> You're basically advertising all of the brands that you yeah, work with all at once. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, nah, mainly my goal uh, for those nights is just to make sure that those people in the VIP area are having the experience that they've paid Tony good money for, especially so, when you have like a. a a global name like Paul Oakenfold coming in, you know, those people are paying a premium and they deserve to have 
that premium experience. At these busier events, do you do you find it difficult to keep people kind of in line who are getting a little rowdy back there, or are most people pretty respectful? No, nah, the, the the people that Tony brings in, they're you know reasonable human beings. Um, Has it, it differed with your experience on the road? Yes, yeah. very much so. Um, when I work for Tony on the road, doing uh, whatever he needs me to do, just working backstage, yeah, those situations get a little bit ridiculous a little bit quicker but i would argue that it's more from the artist perspective versus like groupies or whatever because there's different layers of security sure uh once you get back behind the stage um so by the time they get up to the stage they've already been vetted a couple times as far as like uh, people with access badges or whatever like fan vip experience type things but it tends to be the um posse or entourage if you want to call it where i've experienced more challenges uh versus a 3dm uh, night at mask do you ever have to like you have to be that guy that's like people come up to you be like oh no i know tony or mm -hmm. like Paul's everybody my knows friend. tony yeah <laughs> yeah you're like yeah so so do i what's only your on point, show right? nights yeah <laughs> so, like do you do you is that a struggle to have to do that or do you just kind of get used to do you just like robotic mo comes on and you you know it's I kind of have to put myself in the position of the people that are sitting in that area. You know, they've paid for a specific experience. And um, aside from being a above average size individual, Tony's paying me to keep that filter mm. going there. And, and I, and I feel it's my responsibility that he's given me to make sure that those people have that experience because there's been situations where like, you know, you know, a, a bro will come through and another bro, and then one bro tries to bring another bro through, and I'm like, no, 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 hold on, dude. You know, <laughs> bro, stop. bro. Yeah, bro, bro, bro. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you can bro, but not bro, bro. At the end of the day, it, it I mean, if, if Mo wasn't there and anybody could just come back there, it would devalue yeah. what they spent for that experience. Right, because right, you're keeping people from getting access to, like, bottle service area. That's right. Just getting ready to say, it's, it's probably yeah. important yeah. to, like, clarify okay. what kind yeah. of air, area we're so, talking about. So at Mask, we've got... You know, the, 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 uh, the DJ, DJ booth, booth yeah. yeah, and then right behind that, you know, there's a wall that separates uh, this VIP area from the booth. So roughly about three and a half feet high. Don't ask me why I know how high exactly that wall is. <laughs> right. But, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so there's one open, like, half moon kind of couch area, and then there's two side private VIP areas. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, so to your point, Tony, like, people pay a lot of money for that to get bottle service, to have that exclusivity. Mm -hmm. And you can argue that. be in that crowd. Yeah, you yeah. Can, you, and you can argue the validity or, or, the, or the, the poshness or whatever your, your beef is with bottle service and all that stuff. But um, because some people do take uh, issue with that. But at the same time, that's the type of show that this is. That's the experience people are paying for. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so to your point, like, yeah, we got to have that filter to keep the riffraff from ruining it for people who have paid good money for There's it. There's a lot of times where there, there, there are two different scenarios. Bottle service at some clubs, those people that pay that money determine – what the DJ is going to push out to the crowd. Mm. This is not that. You know what I mean? But right. um, at the end of the day, they're still playing. They're still paying a good amount of money for mm -hmm. this. Right, right. So the people that do have issues with the bottle service, I can understand at at some spots. You know what I mean? Sure. Because if that's, it, if it's, they're if the it's... ones that are spending the money, and they're the ones that are catered to more than the actual DJ that's right. playing. You right. know, hence the some of the DJs getting kicked out of. Vegas, right? Player, yeah. that's you know what, what I was going to say. If you, if it, if if the bottle service uh, dictates, you know, what the DJ plays, well, then what's the difference between you know that, having a DJ and just a, a, a you know an expensive iTunes, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a jukebox? So no, I I can, and that's a totally different yeah, yeah. topic for another day. Maybe you know we can make a whole episode out of that. But uh, but for what we're talking about, um, you know, the people that tend to. Uh, by those tables, I've met several of them, and they all trust you and Three Dimensional and the DJs that are put on that lineup to give them the experience that mm -hmm. they trust you for. So, I like not once have I ever played a 3DM show and had somebody from the bottle service or the or the VIP tables come up and say, "Hey, can you play Sandstorm?" <laughs> <laughs> the good old cell phone. Right, yeah. right, right, right. I tried so. to do it to the camera while he was saying it. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And, so. and it's been kind of cool because over the time that Tony's allowed me to work these events, I've 
because a lot of, you have a lot of repeat customers in that in that VIP booth. So it was actually cool to see some people I haven't seen like since the first time I worked for you in that capacity and them remembering me, you know, and just like, hey, how's it going, man? Blah blah. I see you on Facebook. And all. Right, hey, cool. Right. Thank, thank you. know, it's like the fact that because one guy, he comes, he came from Florida. Todd. Yeah, I didn't want to. Well, no, he lived, say his name. Yeah. He lived he, in Florida. He lives here now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and he came up. He's like, "Mo, what's going on?" I was yeah. like, "Oh, hey, cool. Yeah. That's super cool." But you know, again, just I've had people come up to me, and Dave's been—he's been standing there next to me, like when these girls come up and they try and lower their shirts or whatever, and I'm like, "That's not working. Mm-mm. This is." <laughs> but let me get my iPhone real quick. Yeah, but yeah, but, but just in case. <laughs> okay, now yeah. go away. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, there's been even—I uh, think it was uh, when Sasha came in. Oh no, it was Nicole. Um, Nicole Madaber, and there were people like, hey, you know, hey, I need to get back there. Well, let me see your wristband. No, you can't get back there. Well, I need to get back there. Uh, dude, you don't have the right wristband. I can't do Well, I need to buy one. They're not for sale. We're already. Well, here. And he started, and he, and he pulled out like a wad of cash. He's like, well, how much does it take to get back there? I'm like, next time that happens, let me know. <laughs> right. uh, hold on. I'll give you your juice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I could have really easily, like, you know, it was only one guy, and right, I could have right. really easily taken whatever amount of cash he was offering me. But I was, I mean, that's not how I roll. Right. You know, with the life that I've led. You know, before I retired for the military, you know, my personal brand and integrity mm. means something to me. Sure. Mighty Modingo cannot be bribed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they say everybody I has a. That I mean, they, sure. they say everybody has a price, but like, just haven't found it yet. But well, yeah, in that in that particular list. But but for me, like, for me to take a couple hundred dollars from a guy and then Tony come up to me like, Mo, what the hell's who's this guy? Why is he back here? And then, but here's a hundred dollars, Tony. Yeah. But, but here's I love 20, you. Yeah. But here's your twenty percent. Yeah. You know, what what is that now? Now does Tony continue to trust me? Right. You know, you know, as this whole 3DM project evolves, you know, and we're doing bigger things, you know, is he, is he that's he's going to remember that, right. you know, and I, and if nothing else, I'll remember it, you know, and so those kind of incidents have been irritating, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that someone would just think they can throw money at you and you know, achieve a certain accomplishment, but I was like, no, no, right. <laughs> that's not how this works. Trip, there are two more tracks I wanted to ask you about. Okay, we talked about playing. A version of Born Slippy, mm. but you had some hesitance about playing it, yeah, because of the hook, the the loop. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know the part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think I I, I no. don't remember playing it at that gig. I, I, I don't I, think you did. No, I did play it at a recent gig. Nah, I didn't play it that night. I played it at another one, like closer to New Year's Eve. Um, and and, and yeah, I mean, so for those of you that don't subscribe to After Party, um. Uh, the the uh, what he's talking about is first of um, all, why haven't you subscribed to After Party? <laughs> right? But go ahead. Um, <laughs> but the uh, yeah, the, there's a there's a uh, a remix of uh, Underworld's uh, Born Slippy, which is an icon, another one of those iconic classic rave tracks that it was on the uh, the Train sound, spotting. yeah the the uh, soundtrack for Train Spotting. And for whatever reason, like, you know, ravers, you know, latched onto that. And I mean, that was a, an anthem for a while. And if you listen to the whole song and you know, and you read the lyrics and you know what the song is about, like it has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm about to say. <laughs> that well, being said, um, <laughs> so like the, that particular remix, the, the, the remixer producer decided to grab one section of um the the vocal and uh it and and it says white thing mega mega white thing and like you know so but it keeps looping that mm-hmm. over and over and over you know for you know throughout most of the track until you and then when it breaks down it goes into born slippy and it's the whole track yeah. so then like those of us that are in the know know that track as soon as you hear that loop then you're in it you know it Mm -hmm. it doesn't even phase you but you know in this like super hyper pc culture that we live in and i'm not trying to take anything into any political realm all i'm saying is that i was trying to be mindful enough when i played that or it when i do play that like i gotta know the crowd like are they old enough to know that track or you know whatever because if not if somebody who is maybe slightly intoxicated or one of those people that hears those types of, you know, might hear something and take it out of, out of context, then all of a sudden 
I'm the racist white guy t- DJ that's, you know, you know. Be- because for, for clarity, <clears throat> it sounds a whole lot like they're just looping the N-word in that. Right, right. Which I don't, I don't think you actually said. No. So no, it, no. it sounds like that's like it becomes a chant. Right, <laughs> That's right. just not the kind of <laughs> right, thing right. you want to project it's, or the attention you want to It's funny attract. because I've never heard that, but now that you mention that, I can – Imagine I can see someone hearing that. Right, right. So because I've dropped that track. <laughs> I love that before. track. Yeah, it's a great, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a banger. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but you know, when you when you grab specific loops of something like, and I don't know, I don't know the remixers personally or anything like that, but I just felt like that was a really interesting section of the vocal <laughs> to repeat over and over and yeah. over again. Um, you know, especially when you're dealing with things like techno and, and, and trance and stuff like that, because once you start hearing something and it starts blending, you know, all these different sounds start blending together. Well, then you guys know you put enough syncopated and arpeggiated things and enough layers together. And then you'll start hearing things that may not necessarily actually be there, but it's the culmination of all those things together. And then it's like, oh wow, that's trippy. And that you goes know? on for like a good thirty-two, right? Or, oh, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. That, it yeah. just keeps going yeah. and going. So like, the last thing I wanted was for somebody to hear n-word, n-word, mega, mega, mega white yeah. thing, yeah. white thing, and all. Yeah, I'm like, nope, nope. So especially in a club like Mask, which is very LGBTQ friendly, mm-hmm. and and. And I consider myself, I may not be a perfect ally, but I am an ally. And and so I don't ever want to put something out there that would bring some negative light to me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very selective when I play that remix. So yeah. Thankfully, it's a newer remix, and it'll it'll probably phase itself out fairly soon. But And then one track that you talked about, you said it's a heavier one, so if they're ready, <laughs> I'm going to play... Madagascar. Oh, Art of trance. Nope, nope. 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 Too much. That was way too much. Way too much. Yeah. Okay. So, they so, didn't earn it. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't that they didn't earn it. It goes back to, you know, um, because the remix, it's a tribute remix. So, like, it's like super clean production. Like, I mean, everything everything about it. it, it so, it's the Art of Trance, Madagascar, but it's this, like, super huge, like, remix. And, so that was, like I said, you know, towards the beginning of the episode, like I was like thinking, you know, there's a couple of ways I can go about it, you know, depending on how the crowd goes. I could leave him with a banger and that would pro- that would have probably been it, but um, I thought better of it. So yeah, okay. I, I kept that one tucked. <laughs> I did play that one uh, the night before New Year's Eve and people ate that shit up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Well, That's always a good feeling. Right. We're sort of recording and publishing this out of order, but as we record this, we'll be going to Lost Kings tomorrow at Mask. I wish we had a little more lead time to advertise it for you, but uh, that's going to be a pretty awesome show. Uh, it's, the, the numbers are, are doing what they're supposed to, it sounds like, on the, uh, the pre-sales. Above and beyond. And, above right? and beyond. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to, to see what is in store for that yeah. and i can't wait to see what uh crystal grid does with yeah they have a set. whole new set planned for tomorrow. oh do yeah. they yeah. nice nice awesome. yeah awesome. and it's our first it's it's a three-dimensional's first dip into the edm if you will world um more mainstream popular yeah. electronic music okay. very cool well best of luck man thank I'm you sure, i'm sure Appreciate by the time it. everybody hears it it will have been a successful show but uh anything else we want to talk about before we wrap this one up anything else you want to share about the uh, your experience there trip no just uh you know whenever you get those opportunities don't uh don't take them for granted live in that moment because i mean you know that was that was an amazing set. I I tried my best to be in the moment the whole time and really take that in because I don't know if or when something like that will ever happen again. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I'll, I'm sure I'll play for, you know, great crowds again, but, you know, having all of those elements line up, you know, and being circled around somebody like Paul Oakenfold, like that was that was one of those ones where I, I, I really took all of that in. So. Do, you, do you still have the video when uh... – Tony offered him the gig. I do, yeah. 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 You guys sent that to me. Yeah. We should maybe we should maybe link that in. That was that was a pretty amazing. Moment. I think that was during holiday record exchange or something, no, wasn't it? it? No, yeah. it was before that. No, no. Crystal, Crystal Grid was there that yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. at your place. Oh, yeah, it was that's at my what place, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. But um so yeah, I mean that uh, just parting thoughts there, just I mean, you know, we we love music, we love what we do, so 
you know, don't ever take any gig for granted. I mean, but you know, those bigger ones, you know, make sure you do everything you can to, to remember them and hold on to them. Cause that's, uh, yeah. Thoughtful words from Trip Turlington, also known as Digital Psychosis. Well done, my friend. This is Tony DeSero. This is Mo Dingo. I'm David Michael. Check out our merch at passionatedj.com slash merch. Check out the YouTube versions of all the stuff that we're talking about. Like I said, we're going to post some bonus clips later in the week. Check that out, passionatedj.com. Excuse me, youtube.com slash passionatedj. But for now, this has been the Passionate <laughs> DJ Podcast. Take care. We'll see you next time. Later. Peace. Easy. Keep on spinning. Fire Festival 2.0 coming up. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot all about that. <laughs> give me some. What do you want? Keep give talking. Me so- give me something to dance to. You want to. the tip? Or you want the whole thing? <laughs>